Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane. This week, we're going to be continuing in Suni and the Dragon by Shirley Rousseau Murphy, who graciously gave me her permission to read this to you. The second story in this book is titled Suni and the King. In the north lay a country so wild it was as if no human foot had ever trod the rocky meadows. No human voice cleaved the air. No fence or cottage here. Dark, still woods and strange green dells where shadows flitted, not of human form. Along through this land on a winter morn came a bright wagon, painted all over with flowers and birds and jaunty as a bright coin. The old mare in the shafts pranced and shied. The old hound trotting between the front wheels lolled his tongue in a grin. Inside, the wagon was cozy and snug, with a little cot and a table and a chair, and a kettle boiling on the old wood stove ready for a cup of tea. On the driver's seat sat a young girl, all alone, with hair like autumn and eyes bluer than the sea. It was Suni, of course. She looked about her with wonderful interest at the strange, wild land. If she thought of the tales her old grandmother had told of trolls and bogies and cruel fairy folk, she sang such thoughts away, sang, Three ravens sat in a tree, down a down, hey down a down. And they passed a dark wood where no bird called. And soon he urged the mare faster, and sang, Merrily I leave my house and land, and follow the raggle-taggle gypsies, oh. But all of a sudden there on the path came riding an old hag upon a golden pig that was fatter than it was tall, more shining gold than the sun. The hag was tattered and frowsy. She rode up to Suni and said with a cackle, but with a gentle look in her eye, Nothing is what it seems. The first young man would eat you. The second young man would drown you. The third young man would steal your mortal soul. Beware, young woman, do not fall under their spells. She was gone as if she had never been at all. Wait, cried Suni. Who are you? But the wind blew empty and cold, and there was no one to answer her. What could the old woman have meant? Oh, but Suni was not afraid of young men. She had rescued three princesses from a very large dragon, so she guessed she could handle young men. Toward evening she neared a dark river with a narrow bridge across, and there on the bridge lay a pale young man bleeding from a terrible wound. Suni jumped from the wagon to help him. He was the handsomest young man she had ever seen, and his frightened eyes pleaded with Suni to save him. So she lifted his head to her lap and began to staunch the blood. But, oh, he was not a young man at all! An ugly, dark troll lay there crouching with its head in her lap, and Suni jumped up in alarm. Well, the troll leaped after her, dark and slimy and huge as a bull, and it grabbed for Suni as she fled for the wagon, and it jumped aboard right behind her as she snatched up the reins. Well, 
The old mare reared and snorted and went flying across the bridge with the troll clinging to the wagon and the wagon lurching, and soon he hurried to snatch up the boiling kettle. Oh, she threw the kettle at that troll, and boiling water drenched it, and it screamed and ran away over the fields as fast as it could go. And that was the last Suni saw of the troll. So that was one young man, and the woman had meant what she said, hadn't she? Suni drove the wagon over the wild and empty land, and the wind blew cold and the day grew dark, and she came at nightfall to a path by the sea and stopped in a meadow of thick grass. Suni put the mare to grazing there, the hound caught a hare for supper, and Suni skinned and cooked it. After supper she sat admiring the sea, wild and dark and blowing. Then she climbed into her cot and slept, lulled by the roar of the waves and the salty wind that smelled of far-off places. And she dreamed of someone to hold her hand and kiss her brow and share her life with her, a handsome young man who wouldn't turn into a troll. Oh, Suni had met young men in her travels, and they had smiled and followed her. But one had been too timid, and one had lied to her, and one had been after her golden coins. One young man had been arrogant, and one had been cruel, and one, whom she could have loved, had already been wed to another. Suni sighed in her sleep, and if a song came to her out of the sea, and if she smiled when she heard it, she remembered it not the next day. When she woke in the morning, the sea was calm, the sun shone bright, and Suni smiled at the day. But as she began to harness the mare to the wagon, a tall young man came walking up out of the sea. He was completely handsome. His eyes were green and merry, and Suni was enchanted. Just in time, she remembered the old woman's words, and quick as a wink, she hitched the mare and called the hound and was about to leap for the wagon seat. When the young man disappeared, and in his place stood a beautiful pony with wild blowing mane. There was no shoe on his hoof, no bridle on him, and he was the color of sea foam. Suni put out her hand. The old mare snorted, and the old hound barked, and she thought of the old woman's warnings and remembered her grandmother's tales of Kelpies who came out of the sea. If you touch one, you can never get loose and are carried off to drown. Well, Suni leapt for the wagon and drove off fast as the old mare could run, the Kelpie snorting and squealing behind them and trying his best to catch up. But the terrified mare outdistanced him, and the Kelpie turned away at last, for he would not venture far from the sea. So that was the second young man, and the old woman had meant what she'd said, hadn't she? Well, the day was fine, and Suni went on singing. There were three gypsies that come to my door, and downstairs ran this a lady. Oh, well, one sang high, and another sang low, and another sang bonny bonny biscay, oh. She came at evening to an oaken grove and followed a path into the glade. A brook ran through, and in the center stood a huge ancient oak. Suni put the mare to grazing, caught fish in the brook, fried them up, and shared them with the hound. Then she laid her blanket beneath the great oak to watch the full moon rise. She sang, Robin loves me, Robin mine, Robin would have me wed him. 
and felt wistful that she didn't know anyone named Robin or have anyone to love her. Still, the night was too nice to be very sad. Before she slept, Suni remembered her grandmother telling of glades and fairy folk who would steal a girl's soul away. But there were no fairies in this glade, only toadstools and a moth or two, and Suni curled under her blanket between the gnarled roots of the oak, ready for sleep. Oh, but the hound was so restless he would not let her sleep, and the mare was so irritable she snorted and stamped. Neither one would calm, and when Suni scolded them, the hound growled deep, and the mare flattened her ears in dismay. Why were they so nervous? There was nothing to harm anyone here. Suni watched the moon fly overhead, golden as cream, and soon was fast asleep. When Suni woke, the glade was different. The moonlight was as bright as day. But, oh, the wagon was gone. The hound was gone. The old mare had disappeared. Fog surrounded the glade, silent and empty, and Suni shivered with fear. Then she heard singing like silver bells far away and coming closer through the mist. And there were figures in the mist. They slipped through like water into the glade, dancing all around Suni. Wild figures dancing to music so pulsing and fiery that Suni lifted her skirts and joined their whirling, and she began to sing out that wild tune. Then she caught her breath for the handsomest young man she had ever seen, began to dance with her. He whirled her, he spun her, he gazed into her eyes, and soon he went dizzy, for his eyes were like lightning in summer, golden and enchanting and fearsome. He was taller than Suni and fine of feature, and his doublet and cape were woven of moonshine. His crown was silver and sapphire and amethyst, and the stallion he had tethered by one silver strand was the finest steed Suni had ever imagined. When the dancing stopped, Suni's heart was pounding, and the young king smiled at her and held out a golden cup, all encrusted with jewels. The wine in it shone as if with fire and smelled of spices and honey. Drink, sweet Suni. What would you have me drink? What do you offer me? Drink, he whispered, and you will live forever. You can never know death. But Suni remembered her grandmother's tales of fairy potions that would steal your soul away. And she remembered the old hag riding the golden pig who had cried, The third young man would steal your immortal soul. Suni tried to run from him, but the king held her fast, and the dancing fairies laughed, then vanished, and all was still in the glade. Suni faced the fairy king, and she was now too frightened to speak. Drink, sweet Suni, you will be queen of all the fairy world. Drink, sweet Suni, and you will live for time without end. "'Drink, and I will lose my immortal soul!' Suni cried. "'I won't drink!' But the fairy king pulled her close 
and raised the cup to her lips. Drink, my Suni, you will be queen. No! Suni flung the cup from the king's hand so hard, the sweet liquid splashed across her wrist. His face went dark with fury. She could hear the shocked cry of the unseen fairies who watched. Suni wrenched from his grasp then and ran. She pushed at the wall of fog. She beat at it. She tried to climb it, and it was like glass. And she tried to dig under it, and the stick she forced at it broke into twenty pieces. When she turned back at last, the fairy king was gone. The glade was empty and still. Suni climbed the great oak and lay out along a branch and tried to reach over the fog, but it rose far too high. When night fell at last, she slept there in the oak, afraid to come down, hungry and thirsty and cross. She woke at midnight, saw something shining golden in the branches, thought it was the moon, and dropped into sleep again. In the morning, Suni climbed down to the glade to drink from the brook, but it was only a dry sand bed scattered with stones. She tried to get through the fog again, but it remained solid as a wall. When night fell once more, her stomach was hollow and her mouth dry as dust. She chewed on some grass, cursed the fairy king loudly with all her strength, then settled for sleep between the oaken roots. By the second morning, Suni was wild with hunger and thirst. As the sun rose beyond the fog, she saw a procession of fairy women enter the glade, and she ran to slip past them. But though the fairies glided through, Suni could not. The fog was a stone. She came away bruised and angry. She watched as the fairies set down all around her platters of roast fowl and fruits and pitchers of lovely drinks and bread and butter and little cakes and cool ices. Suni stared at the feast, smelled the wonderful smells, and felt so hungry she thought she would faint. She heard the king whisper, Eat, sweet Suni. Quench your thirst now. This time she could not see him. Eat, sweet Suni. Then his voice grew cold. Eat or starve. You will never leave this glade except as my queen. If you do not eat of fairy food, you will die here. The fairy women had vanished, but the food remained succulent and enticing, and Suni's hunger was near beyond bearing. Well, she began to sing of soldiers and fighting ships and battles, and every heroic thing she could think of to give herself strength, and when her mouth was so dry she could sing no longer, she stood with fists clenched and cursed the fairy king again, roundly and satisfyingly. Then she ate some more grass and scraped her fingers along the dry course of the brook, and suddenly... Beside Suni's trailing fingers, the earth moved, and a hole appeared, and a little mole looked out. When he saw Suni, he disappeared again, but she dug after him until she found his underground home. There were roots and grains stored there. Suni took them all, 
wrapped them in oak leaves, ate some, and hid the rest high in the branches of the oak. She apologized to the mole, and wondered if he heard her. Up in the oak, higher than she had climbed, she thought she saw something shining. But when the wind shifted, it was gone. She climbed down again and dug in the brook until she found some damp sand she could lick. And I'm going to leave you guys there this week. You'll have to come back next week to see if Suni makes it out of the fog-bound glade and if she can defeat the Fairy King. I hope you guys are enjoying the series as much as I'm enjoying reading them to you. Thank you for listening. Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is proudly produced by Lantern Audio Works. If you are enjoying this podcast, consider supporting it at patreon.com forward slash lantern audioworks. By becoming a patron at Lantern Audio Works, you gain early access not only to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane, but also to NJ Sullivan's podcasts, Old Bob, Brimstone, and the podcast that we co-host together, Punks in the Library. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Lantern Audioworks to see the full details of what you as a patron would receive with your monthly pledge. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.